this morning was special. There were two other VIPers on with me for the morning conversation. One of them is sharing how he has a tough decision to make and just didn't know what to do. The next thing I know, the other VIPer, an international one, starts speaking truth over his life. I get a word from God. Like, I'm going, what? This is odd. This is what I hoped everything a VIP membership would be. And then God's like, hey, stop thinking about that. I got a word I want you to share with him. So now I'm sharing the word I get. Before we knew what was even going on, we were all agreeing to spend the next three days together praying and fasting over this decision. I'm telling you right now, friends, this is not just a VIP group. Like the vip this morning said, it really is a family. So check it out, smalleyinstitute.com. felt like a knife was stabbing you in the chest with every breath, like a rain cloud of negative speak was following your every move, like an imposter hijacked the normal self, like an explosion in your brain, sending your thoughts totally spiraling out of control. Look, friend, at this point, you ain't just worried. You might be experiencing what I'm now calling and people before me have called a primal panic. Today's show is brought to you by a VIP member. That's right. I've been doing and kind of recently finished up a series called Be an Esther and Win Back Your Husband. And this particular VIP, which you can join and be a part of the family at smalleyinstitute.com, but she you know, I was talking one day in one of our many morning cue, you know, question and conversations, and I was talking about this idea of primal panic and what I was learning and how I realized it impacted my own relationship. And she was like, "Man, would you add just one more lesson to the B and Esther course on primal panic? Because I think that's something I'm struggling with." I was like, oh, I don't know. Well, let me tell you, it sent me into a deep dive of learning, which I'm so thankful for. This is why I love the VIP program, the family. It's, yeah, I'm learning, they're learning, we're all growing together. And as I started studying, and I already gave you a preview of this, but as I started really taking that deep dive into what is primal panic and and really what it is, and that and that's going to be the first show today, is trying to understand better what primal panic is. How is it hurting you? What? How is it impacting negatively your most important relationships? And so as I started studying it, and I've got a lot of notes now, the, you know, a primal panic is really what psychologists might also call attachment distress. So there's a really brilliant theorist in psychology, Bowlby, who came up with attachment theory. And it's basically sort of what are the consequences of the, the homes we grew up in? And that all of our most important needs, which by the way, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, 
This is throughout all of Scripture. We were created for two reasons. Love God, love others. So naturally, our greatest desire is connection, is to feel loved, is to be able to love. And when that gets messed up, right, when our primary caregiver, our parent is not overly safe and not incredibly healthy and we kind of very early on in life, we might deal with some significant rejection or hurt or disappointment or abandonment. That impacts us in significant ways. And one of the things I've learned that, you know, and I've shared this already before, and my wife and I are coming out significantly of the worst year of our 25 years of marriage. And at one point, and if you haven't listened to other shows, I apologize if this completely catches you off guard, but, um, you know, at, in, in 2019, I ended up making a horrible decision. Uh, we were in total chaos. I, you know, frankly, I was definitely in a primal panic. I feel very much. My wife was in a primal panic and we had gotten so derailed and so out of control, I actually ended up making a terrible decision of filing for divorce. And this is why these shows coming up on Primal Panic are so important because I can look back now, praise God, and see the indications and the signs that and kind of what was fueling or what was behind some of my really bad choices a bad choice to file for divorce, a bad choice to drink out of control. Our relationship had gotten so toxic that I didn't know what to do. I didn't feel like I could get her attention. I couldn't get my attention. Nothing was going right. It felt like it kept getting worse and worse and not just worse like, oh, gee, you're in conflict, but total chaos was just exploding. It felt like every day, every other day, multiple times a day. And looking back on it now, I realized that primal panic or attachment distress was playing a major role in the demise and the breakdown of my marriage. And, and it might be playing a major role in your breakdown as well. If you're listening to this and you don't have a lot of hope, or maybe you, you're really healthy and you're like, oh, I don't need to pay attention to this primal panic thing. No, you should because you're going to have a loved one. You might have a friend. There might be someone God wants you to be able to pour into and help and encourage that's in the middle of a primal panic. And what one of the really destructive consequences of, of not understanding this entirely is we will misinterpret and we will misunderstand and we're going to negative belief to death the actions of our spouse if they are in the midst of an attachment distress, a primal panic, right? They're, it's, it's like the things in our heart are actually good. We want healing. We want restoration. We want reconciling. We want to take ownership for our own stuff. But because there has been such a traumatic wound, right, a trauma, and a significant betrayal, we're in trouble. And all of our actions and the words and the stuff that's coming out of our mouth is not an indication of what's behind and what's in our heart, what we're wanting when primal panic hits. We're wanting connection. We're wanting to feel close. The problem is 
somebody has a big old wound and they've been traumatized by a significant hurt and a betrayal is the right word. My wife, for sure, with her, the day, yeah, I don't even want to give the date. I have the date. And actually further, oh, I don't know, in two or three shows, it'll all explain why even having, you know, creating new rituals around some of these betraying dates or, or traumatic dates in your relationship, you don't have to forget them because that's not possible. But you can reframe them and you can replace those with something positive. But that's coming up. So today is about understanding primal panic. Um, and so let me let me start with, you know, one of the best persons I've found out there is Susan Johnson. Of course, Bowlby is sort of at the foundation of all this stuff. But Susan Johnson has a book called Hold Me Tight. And it's it's brilliant. And one of the things she says is isolation and the potential loss of loving connection is coded by the human brain into a primal panic response. So you can imagine what my wife must have felt that day she was given divorce papers. It breaks my heart. It's eh, it's hard to even talk about because uh, I knew and I knew it's not like I was ignorant and thought, oh, this won't be that big. I mean, obviously. I'm in marriage ministry. <laughs> I've been helping couples forever. She knew we were in a lot of trouble. She didn't know that was coming. So this thing came out of nowhere. And I'll say it, July 8th. And at that moment, it was such a wound and a betraying wound. And that that this primal panic hit in for my wife. It was already hitting for me, which is a part of what led me to the dumb decision to do this in the first place. And, and so what it is, is when you feel betrayed, so it might be an affair. It could be being served divorce papers and you didn't know that was coming. It could be the death of a child. It could be, it's something that is significant. It totally catches you off guard and it's betraying in nature. It's not fair. It's not what you deserved. And if you're not careful on recognizing and grieving and doing the right things, which we'll get into, it is going to turn into a full-blown primal panic where your actions and words are not going to be an accurate reflection of what's in your heart. This is one of the things when I can look back now, I wasn't hearing the things I needed to hear and I wasn't experiencing the things I wanted to experience, but it wasn't because of bad reasons, right? So let me go deeper here with Susan Johnson. This is in her book, Hold Me Tight. This need for safe emotional connection to a few loved ones is wired in by millions of years of evolution. I'd say it's wired in by God. Distressed partners may use different words but they are always asking the same basic questions. Are you there for me? Do I matter to you? Will you come when I need you? When I call? Love is the best survival mechanism there is. And to feel suddenly emotionally cut off from a partner, disconnected, is terrifying. We have to reconnect. That's so big. A lot of the negative behaviors you might be feeling right now because of a spouse, this is not Susan Johnson, it's me. I'm taking a pause. 
is because of that deep longing and desire to reconnect. We're just going about it in the wrong way. So we have to reconnect to speak our needs in a way that moves our partner to respond. This longing for emotional connection with those nearest to us is the emotional priority, overshadowing even the drive for food or sex. The drama of love is all about this hunger for safe emotional connection, a survival imperative we experience from the cradle to the grave. Loving connection is the only safety nature even ever offers us. So when primal panic arrives, it is profound. There's a lot of stuff going on. I mean, a betrayal of some sort has occurred. This is not minor. And when you start thinking, why do I even care? Can, can, I, can, can this person, can you ever be there for me? Do I even matter to you? Will you be there when I really need you? Whoa. That's where the panic just gets a foothold, takes over your emotions, it takes over your decision-making, it takes over your thinking, and you start doing and saying things that you regret, doing and saying things that you don't understand, doing and saying things that are clearly not helping. They're not getting you closer together. You want this connection and it's not happening because our behaviors and our words and our actions are, are pushing the other person even farther and farther away. Attachment theory, which is Bowlby, teaches that our loved one is our shelter in life. When that person is emotionally unavailable or unresponsive, we face being out in the cold alone and helpless. We are assailed by emotions of anger and sadness and hurt and above all, Above all, fear. This is not so surprising when we remember that fear is our built-in alarm system, right? So when you are panicked and you're feeling fearful, pew, woo, 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 right? I mean, the alarms are going off significantly on the dashboard of your soul. These, these alarms start going off when our survival is threatened when we know and feel we're about to get abandoned by someone who really matters to us. The alarm goes off and it goes off in our brain's amygdala, right? That's that, you know, grand central station for fear. So as neuroscientist Joseph Ledoux of the Center for Neuroscience at New York University, University has dubbed it, right? It's that fear central. It's that almond-shaped area in the midbrain that triggers an automatic response. We don't think, we feel, and we act. So for, for your marriage, two people are involved, right? There's two different roles when primal panic is, is at full swing, okay? So there's the wounded, that's the person who's feeling betrayed. Then there's the broken person, that person who has done the betraying or done the wounding. So if you're the wounded in this scenario, you're feeling disconnected, you're feeling abandoned, right? The wounded feels that you're not gonna be okay in this world. This is not insignificant, by the way. Like, things are not going to turn out. 
It's like I say all the time how your marriage crisis, this primal panic that you may be in the midst of or that you have felt before and maybe until today you didn't have a full understanding of what the heck happened 10 years ago. Things are not going to be okay in the world because the thing I care about most, that relationship, especially with a spouse or a parent, is significantly broken. I'm feeling abandoned and all is not well in my soul. There's a loss of safety for the wounded. There's a grief response. And when you're really grieving and you're in the midst of a primal panic, you are going to feel overwhelmed and confused. You don't understand why this has happened. And and that confusion, the lack of understanding is just increasing these negative emotions where really it's it's totally spiraled out of control. It's almost like you're looking at yourself going, "What are you doing, crazy person? This is not helping, but I can't stop myself." The wounded, you get into this thing that we would call hypervigilant, right? You just become hypervigilant, constantly looking for safety, right? So in it, when you're in this primal panic, this attachment distress, because you're feeling betrayed, deeply wounded and disconnected from the people that matter most to you in life, right? Your body is getting hit with adrenaline multiple times a day. So... Uh, there's, there's, it's like, there's no degrees of danger. It's either all or nothing. And what you're going to learn further along this whole journey that we're going on together with primal, primal panic, which is what I'm calling it. You're going to learn there are things that you have to do with your body to help calm yourself down. You have to manage this intense fear of abandonment and this intense reaction to feeling betrayed. There are things in your body that you have to be able to do. Pamela Citrenbaum uh, from psychologytoday.com. This is really good. This is something she wrote. What happens when you've spent your entire life in an epic state of panic? Waiting for that horrible. So this is the idea, okay, of being hypervigilant. So you can understand because you want to recognize that, good Lord, I need to step back. This is, I am, it's like I'm wanting almost to find something bad, right? The confirmation bias crap is kicking into high gear. So Pamela writes at psychologytoday.com, what happens when you've spent your entire life in an epic state of panic? waiting for the horrible, terrible thing to happen. It's around the corner. You will not be fooled or surprised. Everything is risky. Germs, driving, date rapists, identity thieves, breast lumps, pandemics, stranger danger, Ebola, E. coli, left arm pain, child abductions, odd bloating sensations, racing heart rate, lower back pain, Y2K, there's there's an age reference, weird rashes, killer bees. You've been on it your whole life, checking under the metaphorical bed, kicking the tires, peeking behind every door, watching your back, waiting, getting your flu shots, relentlessly checking your credit, your credit rating, 
upping your flood insurance, yearly freckle checks at the dermatologist, pap smears, mammograms, colonic health, flossing, praying, fasting, being good, doing good, breathing out bad thoughts in strength and peace, wishing others well, mostly, but nothing terrible happens until it does. So when you're in this primal panic, it's all out of control and we're not helping ourselves. We got to be able to get ourselves out of it. The right. So I have the wounded and I have the broken, right? The broken person might, let's say maybe the betrayal is an affair, right? And it, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's the husband who had the affair and he calls, he's been doing good. You guys have been reconciling. Things are getting better. He recognizes it. He's owned it. And he has said, yep, tonight I'll be home by 530. But he ends up showing home 10 minutes late. The amygdala kicks into gear when you're in this primal panic. And it's it goes from 10 minutes late to I'm betrayed kicks in. And you go right back to feeling unsafe. 10 minutes and the world is coming to an end. It doesn't have to be this way. If you're the wounded in this scenario, your part is your tone and your volume matter. I know that you're freaking out and I know that you've been betrayed. That does not eliminate our personal responsibility and how we respond and how we react at some point i have to take ownership for my feelings and go look i'm not a victim of this betrayal and i can't just continue freaking out screaming or yelling or melting down and expect anything to get better it's only going to get worse so you can't if you're the wounded you cannot just excuse any negative behavior on your part and You've, you've got to recognize that attacking or criticizing this person will not make things better. If primal panic is a problem, right? We've got the wounded. We've also got the broken. So something is wrong. And, and I've created this attachment break, right? You've had an affair. You're the broken one. You filed for divorce. You've maybe totally stonewalled and absolutely shut down and cut off your spouse. That can trigger it. That's a major betrayal. But as the broken, you can experience the whole wide range of emotions from the wounded every day. You can experience it in, in like five minutes where the wounded, because the wounded is going to get into that primal fight, flight, or freeze, right? So it's like, uh-oh, I'm in danger. I am deeply wounded and afraid. I'm feeling betrayed. I'm feeling uh, not just disconnected, but abandoned. And they can go through all three of those things, flight, fight, or freeze, Within five minutes, and it's and and I, I'm telling you, as the broken, you could be like, whoa, right? You're like going, what is happening? 
So as the broken understand that the wounded is going to go through this, it's a part of the grief process. You don't have to personalize it. You don't have to take it personally. It's a part of the healing journey that you're on. And so as the broken, even though you might experience all three of these, you're 10 minutes late. You know, you had a flat tire. It's a legitimate reason, but there your spouse is going right back down to that core pain that you caused. Don't take it personally. You can help. And the better you're able in those difficult moments to create safety, to create a safe place for your spouse just to be in pain and to be hurt. Look, I'm not saying it's right what they're doing. I'm just saying it is happening. So now what am I going to do? Yes, the wounded has their part. And the broken, you have your part. And so you can help create safety. In those moments, you want to lean in and be a safe place for the wounded's anger. What does that mean? Lean in means you don't shut down. Don't engage in the chaos. Lean in. Uh, Don't run away. Engage with open-ended questions that your heart is just to seek understanding, right? There's kind of three big things that you can do in these moments, right? Because remember, the wounded is experiencing really what's happening. What's triggered them is they're experiencing a break in safety. Whether it is fair or unfair is irrelevant. They're obviously feeling unsafe. So it doesn't matter that the wounded is experiencing this biological response, right? So Again, whether it's fair or unfair is irrelevant. It's happening. It's biological. The the adrenaline shot is flowing through their body, obviously. And it can go all the way up to, you know, PTSD kind of stuff. I mean, it can feel really crazy and chaotic. Take a deep breath. Stand outside of yourself. You don't want, you don't want to get defensive. That that is only and you know when has it ever worked out to be defensive never so you don't want to get defensive you want to try and care for the wounded in that moment so that's that leaning in going hey look i know that you're hurting right now i know that you're in pain what can i do right three is you're creating safety so how can I help you feel safe right now? You know, is, is, is right now a time that I need to give you a hug or can I give you a hug? Are you wanting me to sit here? Are you just needing me to be quiet? Sometimes it's gotten so out of control that you do need to take it. It doesn't mean you deserve it. It's not fair. It's not cool that they're doing it. But becoming defensive, fighting back, Shutting down, escalating back with them is only going to make things worse. And I, I mean, I know I'm, my wife has experienced this. When, I hit, when I've hit that primal panic, I remember a time when, during when we were separated. I had a complete and total breakdown. She wasn't doing anything wrong. Things were actually getting significantly better. And she was at the house, and I can't even remember. I'm pretty sure I'd, yeah, it didn't have anything to do with her, but it was... The whole thing was just crashing down on me that day. It happens. And I just started to weep. And we were sitting in our bedroom and 
all the hurt and the pain was just raw. And I'll never forget, she just sat down and put her arm around me. Didn't say anything, didn't have to. She was just there for me. It was, it was major, major that she just, she didn't try to explain it. She didn't try to, you know, she didn't end up invalidating going, no, 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 it's really not that bad. Or, oh, it's okay. You'll be, it's just let the person hurt, be there, sit with them, put your arm around. If they shove you away, I would suggest you take your arm off. That's not what they're needing. And it's okay. You're trying to meet their needs, not yours in this moment. So just it, what'll help you do this, by the way, to help sit next to your spouse who's having a meltdown that may or may not be fair, may or may not be reasonable, is to remember feelings aren't facts. They're just indicators of something. The wounded feels triggered. The wounded is triggered. And for them, it feels like it's catastrophic. Doesn't mean it is, but the truth is, it is for them. Distress doesn't mean, by the way, in this moment, distress doesn't mean it's the end of the relationship. It is what it is. It's just a moment. This will pass. It's going to get better. I wish I knew that. I wish I remembered, right? Getting into Bowlby, attachment theory, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, I learned this. In grad school, and I just didn't remember. Eh, that's it is what it is. <laughs> I've been saying that a lot on this one. Primal panic is not the end of life for your relationship. It is one of the most serious red lights, right, on the dashboard of your soul, and it's blinking. Beep, beep, beep. It's blinking rapidly. Today is about understanding and defining primal panic. What you do not know will hurt you. And if I had known this, if I had understood better that, hey, I don't like what I'm hearing or seeing from my wife right now, but it's not an indicator of what's in her heart and the truth. Even though the words are hurtful or the actions are hurtful or you're feeling threatened, whatever's going on, when you, if you can go, wait, hold on, this is totally out of control and this might be that primal panic thing that guy on that one podcast deal I listened to talked about, you can depersonalize it, you can recognize that, whoa, I don't want to take this personally and I definitely don't want to read ill intention into what's being said or done right now. Trust that your spouse wants to be with you. Oddly enough, I just hit me. Oddly enough, these this terrible reaction actually screams that in a in an ineffective negative way. It screams you matter to me. I feel like I'm losing you. I'm desperately trying to get you back. And if they could be conscious in that moment, they'd be going, hey, look, all this junk I'm doing is because I love you and I don't want to lose you. Even though everything I'm saying and doing is giving you a different message, that's not what's in my heart. I'll end with this. The rest of our series is about what you do 
if primal panic strikes, right? Coming up right next are going to be the three main styles of reacting to primal panic. I even have an online assessment that I developed. Well, I didn't invent it. I just converted an assessment to an online assessment that will help determine what's your style. Are you a fighter, a runner, or a lover? But that's only for VIP members. Smalleyinstitute.com. You can join the club there and you can take that assessment. I've already given it to them. Well, I don't know if they've all taken it yet, but they've had the opportunity so far. So we're going to discuss these three main styles. Then we're going to discuss how to meet your deepest needs. So your deepest need is for connection and to be loved. All right, how do we do that? Especially if primal panic is kicked in. And then finally, what it takes to build an unbreakable marriage. You do not want to miss that one. It just making the notes caused me to cry. It was so precious. I was like, oh, my Lord. The good news is my wife and I can do it now, and we are. That, the last one in this series is going to be, it's, oh, my, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's going to be incredible. I cried. Hopefully, you'll cry, and it's going to be able to help you build an unbreakable marriage, especially if it's been broken where your primal panic doesn't have a chance, can't even come close to derailing your love for each other. Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better.